Welcome to episode six of the Landscape Mode podcast, coming to you live from San Francisco, California. I am your co-host Ike DiLorenzo, and I am your co-host Justin McGann. Uh, today we have a bunch of uh, topics on the slate. Justin, what are we talking about today? Well, first, we're going to talk about uh, Twitter's IPO uh, and everything that's rolled into that. Uh, then Google's acquisition of Bump, and we're going to wrap up like everyone else really beating into the ground talking about the new iPhone, new iOS 7, and um, all these delightful problems that are happening. Oh, wow. Is there a new iPhone out? They, you may have heard about it. You may, <laughs> may have heard about it. I don't know. There's a new iPhone, wow. new iOS 7, and uh, I, lots, maybe, of, lots of little bugs in the new Safari. Maybe we could get more listeners to our podcast by piggybacking on the media frenzy for the iPhone. I wonder if any other media outlets have done that. It's a good idea. That's okay. a good idea. I think we. I think we're the first. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the Twitter IPO. Okay. So, well, Twitter's for, finally going public after like rumored forever. They are going to go public. For, announced in a tweet. Of course. For how much? The valuation I think is ten billion dollars. Um, this is. I'm really having like flashbacks to New York Times uh, valuation. You know, New York Times doing things like buying the Boston Globe for a billion dollars or something uh, that Twitter is now supposedly the world's largest media company yeah I'm, I don't know I think 10 billion is too low I think Twitter's kind of bulletproof as far as like the next 10 years that may be true I mean more so you, than Facebook I think at least yeah Facebook's quite, well also as you mentioned if a company like Flipboard can get almost a billion Flipboard evaluated or evaluation of 800 million dollars I didn't even know flip, people still used Flipboard. It was one of those things where you got an iPad and you were like, oh, there's this really good app, Flipboard, and then you use it and... You app- use it to... to yeah, and There's so many of these I can't keep track. Apps that steal newspaper content and maybe content from some reputable blogs and allow you to assemble it sort of Pinterest-like on a page. Right. And that's all the app does. It's just... It makes magazine layout... It we, takes links from your Twitter account, from your Facebook account, from whatever. It gets this personalized. But it doesn't even steal content well because when you click on it, usually it takes you to this uh, excerpt or abstract. And so then to finish reading it, you often have to click right. like the read more and it hijacks you to the page to read at the New York Times or wherever. Because so they can't... They can't a- I mean, I guess to be to have this eight hundred million valuation, they cannot actually be stealing all of the content. Right. So it's just it's I don't know. It's not a great experience. I, I. So anyway, Twitter. I do agree with you. It you know if I don't know if you've been to Civic Center here in San Francisco recently. Mm-hmm. It's turning into like it, it used to be a very very difficult area of town. There was the lots of strip theaters and check cashing and lots of questionable people. So. This this sort of for, forlorn plaza was before the United Nations moved to New York, where the the world's governance sat, uh-huh. the United Nations, and it may indeed be again where the world's media governance or thought governance sits in Twitter. So Twitter is building like an incredible array of skyscrapers, housing, like everything They're around. They're building up the neighborhood. Yeah, I used to live blocks away from there. 
they're they're building it up. They're bringing people to that area. They, I I just I think they're bulletproof because influential people are far more invested in their Twitter account than they are in their Facebook account. I agree. Yeah. Um, and they're and not going to like a primary news source for many it people is. now. It's they're they're not going to abandon it the way that people abandoned MySpace. Where I think for Facebook there is kind of that threat. Like it's not a. It's not like impending, but there is that threat that if someone makes a better social network. And at some point, at least I realized like all the news I'm getting from Facebook is just like annoying blather from people I sort of know. Right. And at some point you realize I don't care about these people. Yes. But Twitter Twitter, Twitter is a lot more it just to me in my usage of Facebook and Twitter, Twitter has a lot more value to me. So ten billion dollars, yeah, I believe it. Especially if they figured out mobile ads. Because that's why the big fear with Twitter's IPO is that the same thing that happened with Facebook is going to happen with them, which is weird because there was glitches and it's there's some fault on Nasdaq for it. Um, also, Facebook's I mean, Facebook's IPO seem artificial to me. Like the price was being pumped up to achieve some completely artificial level. There really was no interest. Twitter, I think there's just astonishing interest. And if you go like at Civic Center, if you look. There's walls and walls of offices, mm-hmm. and they're all vacant. Mm-hmm. Like they've just—they're vacant because they just finished building. Right. So if that many people are doing something at Twitter, like they—they they must need money to pay them. But there's just so with that much data and that many people, it's hard to see how they could fail. Yeah. Well, and Facebook's stock is finally back above the IPO after tanking, uh, purely based on the fact that they finally figured out mobile mobile advertising. And last quarter was the first time that they reported, you know, good numbers on mobile mobile ads. And I don't think that Twitter would be making the moves to go public if they also hadn't figured it out. And when we see, we don't know their numbers right now. They actually used a, 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 an act that was put into place last year, the Jobs Act, that allows them to postpone publishing numbers oh. um, if you make less than a billion dollars. So we know that they're making less than a billion dollars, which we already knew. Twitter, um, right? Yeah, well, but yeah, in real revenue, yes, I'm sure. right, yes. Um, so we don't know the numbers yet, but I don't think they'd be going public if they didn't figure out mobile advertising. Yeah, and I mean, if anyone, it, the, Twitter is probably the most mobile of sites. It it is. It's a. Uh, I kind of think of it as the most successful mobile first site because, mm-hmm. like, even Facebook started as a desktop thing. Uh, I think like the two successful mobile first sites that are just hugely successful are uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I noticed in our own mobile ad campaigns here at MoveWeb, for some campaigns, depending on the keywords, we'll get like 80% click-through, 80% of our click-throughs will be on mobile. Mm -hmm. And there is a slightly higher higher bounce rate, but they actually seem like interested people who didn't just touch by accident. So some mobile ads have some... Yeah, but that's... Yeah, and I think that's why uh, Google is forcing people to buy mobile ads when they buy these big packages because I think they want to force them into force ad buyers into seeing that there is return on investment in mobile ads. It's very hard now to place a Google campaign and not have the majority of your clicks come from mobile. Like you have to, if Google makes it really hard in the interface. Like it's it's very hard to construct the ad campaign and exclude mobile. And if you, the only way to do it is by separately bidding for mobile at crazily low numbers. Yeah. So that so everyone is interested in like having mobile ad revenue. So that will probably help Twitter also. Yeah, I think so. 
I think oh, so. Okay. I also think, just aside, that it's slightly... There's, there's a nice parallel nature of Twitter announcing its IPO the same week that Dell officially goes private. Yes, that Dell... And private for, like, total vanity reasons. But, yes, that right. Dell is just pretty much... De- desktop is just Dell's, Dell's going private because they don't want to have to publish their numbers for quarter to quarter. I'm I mean, sure I think it's true. a good move because it allows them to think long-term and they don't have to, like, be trying to... These short wins aren't going to get them back to where they need to be. But it was comical for me because I remember actually, like, 10 years ago, my first MP3 player that I didn't get, but I... It was just jonesing for and was it Dell, the Dell digital jukebox, <laughs> the Dell DJ. It was like it was like a, at a price point like half of the uh, the iPod. So I remember it that. Reasonable. It was it was like a just very dark gray rectangular box. Yeah, I remember that. Dell going private, Facebook going public. Speaking of stocks, uh, Google buying Bump. This is another company like Flipboard, which I wasn't even sure they existed. I remember like five years ago at a party, I was living in Boston and people people would walk up and be like, hey, can I have your contacts? And they'd like <laughs> take out their phone like they were going to like hit your... And they, and they do you want a bump? Yeah. Well, this is another one of these apps that uh, I, I think basically it gained its popularity solely <clears throat> off of the advertising that... Apple does for ad uh, for apps that they think are cool. So in 2009, one of the commercials for oh, the iPhone, yeah. oh, they showed people bumping their phones together, and it looked kind of cool. And you were like, oh, what is this? And so you downloaded it and you used it one time. Yeah. And then you realized, oh, you know what's a lot more practical? Just not having to bump my phone against and sending it through one of the you know myriad of other ways yes, that I can send, send contact contacts. Record. And you know what's embarrassing is when you're like, oh, are you ready to bump? And then you the person like is trying to download the app right, right. to take eight minutes to download the app to so I and never saw how yeah, are they and they then even it's it, on top of which like I think it only became it was only cool enough to be in the ad because it was at the same time that like fist bumping was ridiculously popular. I remember, yes. Which I think was only popular because that guy Howie Mandel on Deal or No Deal is a germaphobe and that was like the hot show at the time. And so, so he wouldn't shake he would hands, do? he would bump fists instead because he was just fearful Barack of germs. did Obama and Michelle Obama have they also did. a famous fist bump that may have propelled bump? on? That's right, New Yorker cover. Yes. The, the uh, much maligned uh, New Yorker cover of them fist bumping. So would it, now, so now I understand, I mean, I just completely lost track of bump because I have never encountered anyone in the real universe who still uses it, but now you can trade files apparently and do other things. I don't understand how they're still around. It's weird in the world of like airdrop and just, you know, uh, messaging and all the other ways that you can send information. I, I've never... It's incredibly clumsy, and you have to have the app running. It's weird. It's it's weird. And so Twitter so, has acquired them. No, so Google has acquired right. them. Google has acquired them, and uh, they're not. it's not going to survive. No, I have the press release from Google here. It's clear it's not going to survive. Well, when they first bought them, all these bloggers and people in the press were saying, oh, because of AirDrop, Google has to buy Bump so they can have their own AirDrop. But I actually just think it's a coincidence. I don't think that's the case. It appears like they're going to kill Bump. It's, I mean... The, the press release says 
that the Bump team has demonstrated a strong ability to build and develop products that users love. We think that they will be a great fit for Google, not right. the product, it's but the team. It's a talent acquisition, right? Yeah. They, don't, they don't care about the product. I mean, they might work on something similar to Bump, and that would be interesting, but it's not. they're not going to continue to work on Bump in its of current incarnation. Not. I think it's just gone. So what was, how much did they buy? I don't know if it was announced. I didn't see any numbers. Okay, because they had... I, don't, I also don't understand how Bump has raised $20 million since 2008. They must just have a it, small staff and burn through it a bit a year. Yeah, I think it all came after the uh, Apple ad. <laughs> Probably, yes. And the Apple ad is also what drove Flipboard? Uh, I think so. I'd have to check. I, I, I'm not sure if uh, it was in an Apple ad, but that's what I seem to recall. <clears throat> okay, so our friends at Apple... The iPhones, the new iPhones. The new I, iPhones, iPhone 5S and 5C. So I was at the Apple store yesterday, and um, the they had extra personnel deployed at the Apple store door in San Francisco mm-hmm. to tell people that they were out of iPhone Cs and Ss. Really? That they have no iPhones left. So the people could just leave and not like mill around mill the store, around the store yeah. and you know be angry and prevent people from buying iPads by occupying the staff. I, I still, I understand the iPhone is great. I don't at this point. There are so many cool phones on the market, including my favorite, the Firefox OS phone, which costs fifty dollars. Yes. Not fifty dollars plus hidden fees in a contract, uh, but actual fifty dollars. So you have the iPhone S, which some analysts have determined costs you between a thousand and sixteen hundred dollars a year to own that's based on the initial cost of the phone the amount that your data and contract is inflated because you own an iphone like at the end of the year you wound up spending fifteen hundred dollars say on your iphone on the other end you could have a firefox phone which does about seventy percent of what the iphone does um and your data plan would be about 20 bucks a month yeah i I see the appeal of the Firefox phone. If I was out of contract and I needed the contract, I understand that I'm paying for it, but it's like it's. I feel like it's just baked into my costs. Of... And I spend more on my iPhone than I do on cable TV. Than yeah. I do on traditional. Like there is a lot more data flowing through my cable line to my house. Right. So it is. It's it's paying for mobility. Yeah. I was playing around with it yesterday. My brother went and picked up. Uh, picked up one from the Apple store by us, and they the supplies were low, but he, he got whatever that they're calling the black one, that they're not calling it black, whatever color it is. Oh, yeah. Well, the formerly champagne iPhone, which it's not, is... Yeah, it's not the champagne one. It's now gold. Oh, yeah. Because the, the government of France, or the trade ministry of France, lobbied Apple not to call it champagne... Uh, is sold out to the point where you can buy it on eBay now for a thousand bucks for the phone, a thousand bucks for the, and it's probably network locked. Yeah. Okay. So let's get let's just get to the opinions. What everyone else has given their opinion about the iPhone. Like, what is your opinion? Uh, I like the iPhone S. The iPhone C, it just the iPhone has reached a point where it's too valuable a device to carry around. It's just too much. Like if, if I am at the beach or I set down my phone or something like that, like the loss of that sort of phone 
having to replace it at full price, it's just too much because even though they dupe you into thinking you're carrying around a $200 device, you're really carrying around a $900 computing device and setting it on a table and you're taking it out at a bar. Right. It's just too much when you consider the computing gap between that and like an entry-level Android device that can do almost everything it can and is replaceable. So I do like it. It's really cool. The 5S is a little better. It looks nice. I like the fact that it's... it Like, the colors are cool. And it, I am... Well, what do you think of the five? First, the C. What the do you C? think? It, the S, I mean. The high-end one. Uh, the high-end one. The S is... It's cool. I played around with it a little bit yesterday. Um, my thumbprint did not work on my brother's phone. So, you know... Oh, so you couldn't break it's it? It's one out of 50,000, so, okay, I didn't. I, I'm that is kind of cool. It, socially, it I, it prevents, I was talking to a friend of mine, it prevents that moment where your, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, is like, oh, I, I need this from your phone. What's your, what's your combination to your phone? And then you, so you have an excuse not to give the person you're dating you do have an excuse, although I'll tell you that you can still use a combination to open it up along with the thumbprint. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, yeah. You should just like not tell them that, maybe? I right. didn't know that. So his theory was, well, oh, I don't know. I just use my thumbprint. And so you don't have to tell that person the combo. They can't open it and find the incriminating stuff on your phone. That's one possible use for the thumbprint. Yeah, but it prevents... I mean, it's frustrating to have to put in a passcode. For the longest time, I didn't use a passcode on my phone. People can just pick it up and find all the incriminating evidence easily. I was interested by the new, in iOS 7, the new way that your code is displayed when you type it in. The illumination on the circle lingers. It's really obvious. It's incredibly obvious. I was on the Muni and I could see like four rows away. I'm like, oh, okay, this woman's passcode is 1164. Like I could see that from a mile away because it, it lights up. So maybe that's part of the thumbprint. Yeah. But I just, I don't think that there is a need to carry around that much computing power um, because it's just like it's too expensive it's just too much too much ownership to carry around that and I notice too when I when I do go out sometimes and I take my Firefox phone the fact that you cannot do panoramic pictures of everything in sight that you cannot check like, it is. It's more of a hassle to check your email, so you don't do it as much. You also can't like start FaceTiming at a moment or do multitask. That uh, actually like makes me notice that there's a real world around me. Like I can get texts, I can make phone calls, I can do the basic stuff, but I'm not so entranced with the device that I miss the external world. I guess so. I mean, I I like my device. I like having being bothered with email constantly and. Twitter messages and Facebook messages and taking my panorama shots. So you should get the 5S. I mean, I probably will at some point. I think I, I'm skipping generations. I have the 5 now. I think I'll skip the 5S, and the next year I'll get the 6. And for, Or whenever it comes out. For developers who, <clears throat> who um, loaded iOS 7 onto their phone previous to the release... We don't have any of the new ringtones, any like any of the new data associated with iOS. You have to actually do a fresh upgrade. Or... Yeah, I haven't done mine yet. I still have the the beta uh, 
the there was all this fanfare about how the iPhone C was purportedly aimed at like China, India, places where they can't afford the S. I know. I that's that's the most frustrating thing for me is the the price point out of contract for the iPhone C. It's 5C. still like five hundred dollars. Ridiculous. No one's and no again, one's gonna buy it. The Firefox you could buy ten. You could buy Firefox phone for your entire extended family and data plans for like one iPhone 5C, the purported lower end phone. Yeah, it's the. Uh, my, I just, every time someone brings up the C, I have to mention the unapologetically plastic iPhone 5C. That's what it was called at the keynote <laughs> or the Apple event. Unapologetically plastic. Aren't you sick and tired of all your, you know, plastic? Gadgets apologizing Apologi- again and again. Like I'm so sorry I made a plastic. Not the iPhone 5C. It's unapolo- unapologetic. Firefox phone looks like the same plastic to me. And it's orange. It's bright, bright orange. You can get bright blue also. It's very colory. Yes, bright colors all the time. But that I, I have some prediction that there will always be people who want the most leading edge phones that you know with this incredible power the super amazing camera but the low end devices have come up to the point where they're very viable alternatives and they're just kind of nicer i was out at a bar on friday and uh, one person was showing like his friends some images on a phone and it was one of those gigantic super bright samsung screens mm-hmm. it's actually better socially like, the iPhone screen is not that big. Yeah. Well, I like my iPhone. I like having the ridiculous cutting-edge device. I think I, this is the first time where a new iPhone's come out and I'm not going to get it. Because I think I have all the power I need. I've reached the ceiling of the power that I need and want in the 4S. For now, I'm good with the 5, but eventually. I'm, I mean, I'm going to upgrade again. I'm not clamoring or waiting in line for the five, the five S. But I mean, it's gonna happen. I I don't see me hitting this point where suddenly I'm content, and I don't need any better gadget. So what do you think of the iBeacon thing? Um, I haven't seen anything that uses it. Uh, I haven't either because well, it's very weird. It's hard to get actual info on it. It's mostly what I've seen is. Uh, developers who are working with Apple to develop this or that sort of leaking yeah, on their I think it's blog. Way too, I think it's way too early to, to figure out real life it how, is a weird, this how is, is going to be used. Yeah, this is the thing that will tell you, like, if you're stalking someone and you're not satisfied to know, like, what building they're in, this could potentially tell you what floor they're in in the department store. I so think it's mean, more... Uh, <laughs> that is one use case. I think it's more like, hey, I'm in a store. I need to find something. Uh, GPS is not accurate enough to give me directions to the aisle that I need to be in. Yes. So when you get to that aisle, your phone can start beeping and twerpling about telling you with like buy this with a coupon. That start that can also happen. Yeah. But so, do you think this is going to kill NFC, the iBeacon thing? I, I. Neither are that exciting for me. Uh, if I'd be excited for the iBeacon if it kills. Uh, QR codes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Because I, 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 I never want to see one of those again. Um, so, and I do like, I mean, um, you you produced a very popular bit of viral media on this, but how Apple, it does choose what they want to surface in the new iPhone, and then they I say... You hate my SlideShare. No, I love SlideShare. I love your SlideShare. I encourage everyone to go to SlideShare at this very moment and search for 
for just, how could they find it if if somebody wants to share dot com backslash move web. Yeah. I just want to say that you're very critical of this slide share. <laughs> and at the same time, this is coming from the guy who once like frantically text messaged me that we needed to get Fat Joe to do a video and how it was po- and this was going to be There's no Fat Joe and Ashanti. It doesn't work unless we get both of them. Fat Joe and Ashanti. Somehow that is business enough, but I make some goofy <laughs> slide share and it's like, "Oh, Justin, you know, what is he doing? Yeah, no, the slideshow is very effective. But it was one of these things where Apple announces that the iPhone is out, and here are some cool things it does, and then they say, and 300 other features. Yeah. Or they have some incredible number of other features, and they sort of rely on the blogosphere to communicate these other features. iBeacon is one of these things. Yeah, well, they, they announce the things that will sell the phone. Mm-hmm. And then they expect everyone else to figure out the rest. So are there truly 200 extra features in this phone? I don't know. There's lots of lots of really cool things. Um, it's lots of nice features. Um, how are you How are you uh, getting used to the, the new interface? The iOS 7? Yeah. Uh, my initial thought was my eyesight is really bad. I thought I will not be able to see that text. But there is something about the text that it is visible but the the more interesting thing about the phone is you know and other people have said this the first phone taught us what a mobile phone was right like this is a button if you touch it it will look like it's pressing down this is how things act people apparently in the past five past five years have completely learned what a mobile device is and now they're ready for this world of total abstraction yeah they don't need this skeuomorphism yeah they don't even need to know that the screen is anything like a real device but I saw my friend's two-year-old using the iOS 7 on an iPad. He also did not need the 3D devices, and that was scary. Because that's like 80% of his interaction with the world. Yeah. I, my opinions of it are, okay, so WWDC was like a few months ago, and we all saw the first mock-ups of it, and we like freaked out because it's neon colors, and it's so flat. And we continued to freak out for months and months, and then it came out, and after using it for two days, I was like, okay. Yeah. No, it's fine. Just like, it I'm works. It. No, I'm used to it. If anything, it reminds you that you're on a screen, you're not in the real world. Like, you, if you need to look up to see a three-dimensional object, that could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I got used to it. I think there's still... I'm actually working on something right now about the new Safari. It's It's got a lot of bugs in it, but... All right. Yeah, I want to read that post because I know nothing about. So, can you re, can you give me a preview on the blog post? What's going to happen? What is new in Safari? Well, the big thing that's frightening that's going to mean that basically means everyone needs to make changes to their mobile site is that the bottom of the Safari is now a dead zone. That bottom strip. Uh huh. Because what where, happens where traditionally the status bar would be, where just the along the bottom of the screen. So you could have, there's not a status bar, but um, so what happens is you pull up a site in Safari uh, and you scroll down and the the bottom navigation mm-hmm. disappears. Yes. Right? So if you scroll, let's say, all the way to the bottom of the page and you want to click on a link in the footer, you click on it, but it doesn't click the link. It instead tells the interface, hey, I want to see the that navigation. Uh, I see. So it pulls that up. So if you're using jQuery mobile and you have a fixed bottom toolbar and there's, you know, a couple of icons down there, 
the people are going to have to click once, it's going to pull up the navigation, and then they're going to have to move their thumb up a little bit and click again. Which is actually good, because if you think about, I mean, I think that's good. That's actually good for the user. It's very bad for all these companies that want to include a link to them in the footer. Like all these e-commerce companies whose agency at the bottom of the site puts uh, built by, but, you know. But like if you're using a toolbar and uh, fixed toolbar there along the bottom and you want someone to tap on it, that's it's bad. If someone taps on a button and it yeah. doesn't work and they have to tap, move their thumb up and tap it again because of it just pulls up the navigation, I think that's an, I think that's an issue. It seems specifically designed to defeat ex- accidental clicks. No, I, I mean, I think it's, they want the navigation to disappear and they want you to be able to bring it back up. Yeah, there's and, only so many places on the phone you right. can bring up. So everyone's page. just going to have to put padding along the bottom of their footer or however, so that I don't know how many pixels it is. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it's probably going to be about 50 pixels of padding that you have to put along the bottom so that you, when you click on a link in the footer or a toolbar along the bottom, you actually can click on it and you don't pull up the navigation. So it sounds like on the bottom of on the bottom of the phone using Safari, there are now like incredible number of things that your phone that your thumb can do because you can swipe off the screen service up to call up Apple's new interface that where you turn on and off Bluetooth, right. and then this thing, yeah, is going to be a toolbar that's maybe you know. A, eighth of an inch away from that gesture that is designed to call up the safari bar. Right. Well, that's a tap and the yeah. the pull up is a is a swipe, but there's left and right swipe now that goes um backward and forward just like your desktop safari. Yeah. Which could also be an issue um we used to have something on the mobile blog. Uh we we actually killed it because it had chrome issues, but it would be a little tab, and you would swipe it over. And oh, there's pull out a, a lot buttons. of sites have that. Right. Um, the problem was in Chrome that would switch tabs to your other tab. Well, so we killed it. Yep. You'll notice it was the just Firefox, Firefox browser on mobile has something very similar. Mm-hmm. There is a tab in the upper right near the hamburger, as you call it. That's right. That allows you to slide to the left the entire browser window to call up all the previous sites and ta- just touch those. Right. And I think they do it because some of these lower end phones that are doing Firefox OS, um, it's hard to type URLs. You can't make a mistake, so you want to be able to get your previous yeah. one. The only thing now is if you're swiping left or right, it was already not working on Chrome. Now it also doesn't work on Safari because that actually goes forward and back. So. What is the you have to be careful Safari not to. It's, it's on iOS 7. It's, okay. It's, you know. Okay. So uh, I think people are going to have to make changes. I, I still like the side menu that I guess Facebook app is the one that made it popular. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually got rid of it besides chat in the new version of it. But the, the slide out menu, um, I think you can still use it as long as it's a tap menu. It's a button and you tap it and things slide out. You can't have them pulling on the side of the screen, swiping across because it's going to... It's going to na- uh, navigate. So we're, before we're done for the week, uh, Slate's new site. Yes. Slate's new mobile first. This is. I hope this is not the it, it, like a a forebearer of many mobile first sites to come, which is the sort of crammed look of the mobile page. I know. Expanded to three columns of cram on the desktop. It looks all right on mobile, and I wanted to like it so much. I love Slate. I, you know, but it's, it's a really, 
maybe they'll figure it out, but it looks really, really bad right now. And it's it looks like a couple the way that they it's responsive and the way that they they did the fluid grid, it looks like three mobile sites like stacked next to I each agree. other. Well it really looks like that because the only way to navigate the site is by touching the hamburger icon I, they, on the top yeah, right. The, the hamburger icon, the menu button coming to desktop. Which you can't do because you really want to I want to touch my like twenty two inch ViewSonic monitor, but it is not going to respond to that. There's also just not not white space where there needs to be white space, especially when you go to mobile and you scroll down and there's like three pixels between one thing and the next thing just just because it's yeah. Foggy. So do you, do you think they just don't care about desktop, or they they're really going for mobile and they they're like they know they have to support. This is true of a lot of companies that come to us now. Like they're they really want to support desktop, but they know that mobile is what's going to make or break their business. So they focus on that, and then desktop is just this like mobile plus large. Uh, I think obviously they care a lot about about mobile. I think they also are publishing a lot more content than they used to and they're taking a very I mean, I don't want to say Huffington Post because Slate is not Huffington Post, but they're publishing a lot of content and because of that it's hard to kind of get everything right and have a CMS that manages everything correctly. And so like when we were just looking at it, we could see like you know, you pull up the mobile site and you shrink the browser to see how it responds and like pictures are getting cut off and yeah there are clearly like as you scroll through the menus there's random lines appearing there's there's clearly a lot of interface bugs to get out of this thing but it is so mobile phony it is like having a giant mobile phone app on right. your it's desktop a very screen. appy it's a very appy desktop site and some people have made good appy desktop sites npr's desktop site yeah, um, it's very good. This is it has an app feel and it's very good, but I'm not, I'm not enjoying Slate redesign. Uh, I'll just watch it on mobile, or I'll read it on mobile. Yeah. Um. Hey, so we are at. Uh, it's that time. We're, we're at 34 minutes, so I'll have to forego the mail this week. Thank you very much for all the mail to all our <laughs> listeners. Um, just letters of praise. Yeah, it's it's almost of course it's almost all letters of praise. Right. I assumed as much. So uh, next week, we will find you on Wednesday here at the same podcast location, uh, landscapemode.com. Please keep letters coming. And uh, soon, you'll actually, we will actually have a homepage for the blog itself. For now, continue going to Justin's blog to find out, the link, find out links and get a recap of this episode. And that's blog.moveweb.com. Uh, until next week, I'm Mike DiLorenzo. And I'm Justin again. And this is Landscape Mode. We got it wrong for so long It's time to get it right Everything we've been doing is all for understand. There's one thing I've got to ask <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, baby, baby, have you fallen in love?